the First Christian Church of Chiefland brings you the good news and now Tom Show. Well today as we continue on our journey on the parables of Jesus, I'd like to preach a sermon this morning. I've entitled The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. <clears throat> the Kingdom of Heaven is a kingdom. And that may sound quite redundant, but it is true. The kingdom of heaven is a kingdom. It's a country, a domain, an empire. It's similar to our country, and yet it is not similar. Heaven is not America, and America is not heavenly. When Edward Everett Hale was chaplain of the Senate, someone asked him, Do you pray for the senators, Dr. Hale? He replied, no, I look at the senators and I pray for the country. That's pretty potent there. Here are some quotes from Will Rogers about leaders in government. Be thankful we're not getting all the government we're paying for. Our Constitution protects aliens, drunks, and U.S. Senators. There's no trick to being a humorist when you have the whole government working for you. The more you read and observe about this politics thing, you've got to admit that each party is worse than the other. The one that's out always looks the best. I don't make jokes. I just watch the government and report the facts. That's one of my favorites. About all I can say for the United States Senate is that it opens with a prayer and closes with an investigation. <laughs> Politics has become so expensive that it takes a lot of money even to be defeated. And lastly, the 1928 Republican Convention opened with a prayer. If the Lord can see his way clear to bless the Republican Party the way it's been carrying on, then the rest of us ought to get it without even asking. What is our responsibility in this kingdom we call the country of America? Let me tell you what our responsibility is. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4 through 4 says, First of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings, be made on the behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order, listen to me, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is our responsibility? Brothers and sisters, we are to pray for the President, for the House, for the Senate, for the Supreme Court, for all our local officials, state officials, and so on and so forth. Why? I told you there. So we can have a lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. You know, we always talk about the freedoms we have in this country. But what if they were taken away just like that? I'm here to tell you, pay attention. I'm not saying become a political person that you, you know, all you can think about is politics because I try to think about politics less and less in my life. It just gets discouraging. But brothers and sisters, pay attention to who you're voting for. When the election comes around, 
Because your freedoms could be gone in the snap of a finger. And some of these politicians want it that way. That's all I'll say about that. Titus chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. We must obey the laws and do good, not evil. That's our job as Christians, brothers and sisters. Pray for the authority and obey the law. Do good and not evil. You see, in our parable today, we have another kingdom. It's the most important kingdom. We are a part of this kingdom as Christians. We became a part of this kingdom when we surrendered our lives to Christ as Savior by putting our faith into action through repentance, confession, and being immersed into Christ. And we're trying to get more people to be a part of this kingdom. Why? It's because God commands us to and because we care about people. People still want to know Jesus. People still care about changing their lives. Look at Susan, who came last week. And by the time she walked out, she tells JB and Cindy, I want to be baptized. I want to be a part of this. There's still people out there that want Jesus. And you might think, well, how do I find those people? Here's what I'm going to tell you. You pray what I pray. God, lead them to me. Lead them to me. Did you ever pay attention to what Noah did? God told Noah to take animals, right? Seven pair of every clean animal and two pair of all the unclean animals. But you, you really see, you ever see what, what Noah did, what God did for Noah? God led all the animals to Noah. Noah didn't have to go out and find them. And if you have trouble witnessing to someone, but you know somebody who needs Jesus, tell you what you do. Bring them here. I'll talk to them. JB will talk to them. Bring them in. If you feel uncomfortable talking to them about Jesus, we're not going to feel uncomfortable. You see, pray that God will lead those people to you. That don't mean you can't still be looking for them. Keep your eyes open. Be vigilant for people who want Jesus. Because that's what God wants us to do. Listen to our parable today. Chapter 20 in Matthew. Called the parable of the landowner. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now when he would have gone out, just to give you a little quick background, it's 6 a.m. 6 a.m. in the morning. That's when work started. So the landowner, he went out to find workers for his vineyard, and he found workers at 6 a.m. And he basically, it's like shaking hands. Will you come and work for me for a denarius? Now, denarius was a, a day's wage. That was a, a coin that you agreed to work with. It was essentially one day's wage. And you worked from 6 a.m. till the end of the day, which is 6 p.m. 12-hour day. Imagine if we did that today. 
Boy, there'd be an uproar. Well, what about overtime? And he went out again about the third hour. Now it's 9 a.m. And saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. And they went. Again, he went out about the sixth hour. Now it's noon. And the ninth hour, 3 p.m., and did likewise. So he's hiring people at 9 a.m. and noon and 3 p.m. And about the 11th hour, that's 5 p.m., he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, Okay, you go out into my vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, 6 p.m., the owner of the vineyard said to the stewards, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. And they likewise received to each a denarius. And when they had received it, they murmured, grumbled against the landowner saying, uh, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last, for many are called, but few chosen. Let's pray. Our great, awesome God, as we contemplate this parable today, I think about what it's telling us about the landowner and about how this relates to the kingdom of heaven. As we read this morning in the scriptures, what our responsibilities to America is to pray for our leaders. And I pray this morning, Lord, for our current president, for those in Congress, for those who are leading this country, for our local and state personnel who are leaders as well. I pray, Lord, today that you will open their hearts and their minds and their ears to what the Word of God teaches. That the sound of those who are preaching the truth will not only ring true where they are, but will ring true all the way to our government bodies, and they'll realize, Lord, that they need to repent for they're not doing things the way they need to be doing them. They're supposed to be watching out for the people, bringing safety to the people. And they're not doing that, Lord. So I pray for them today. Your people, your children, your Christian children, and the people of this nation are crying out 
May they hear as you hear. And I pray, Lord, the message of the cross will still be resonating throughout and more and more people will turn to Jesus for he is our stability. And as we look into this parable today, Lord, I hope we'll understand what Jesus is trying to tell us about this parable, how it relates to the kingdom of heaven. And we will learn, Lord, our responsibility to get to that, get to our eternity with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In this parable, Jesus tells us three things. Three things the kingdom of heaven is like. And first is this. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. It's like a landowner. That was the first verse I read there. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. In a movie that shocked anyone who had ever seen it, The Apprentice, or excuse me, a move, not a movie, The Apprentice, including Tara Connor, Donald Trump announced December 19, 2006, if you remember that show that was on, I never watched it, but back in the early 2000s, called Apprentice, and Donald Trump uh, was the boss, that he would not fire embattled Miss USA despite allegations of drug use, underage drinking, and sexual misconduct. He said, she's agreed to go into rehab. She knows what if... That if she makes even the slightest mistake from here on, she will be immediately replaced. I believe she can do a tremendous service to young people. Fighting back tears and with her voice shaking, Connor thanked Trump for the pardon, saying, In no way did I think it would be possible for a second chance to be given to me. She then went on to shower the Donald in compliments. I've had a very big blessing bestowed on me. It truly takes someone with a wonderful heart, a heart of gold, and a blessed soul. Is what she said. Now how could Donald Trump pardon Miss Teen USA and give back her crown? It's because he owned the contest. And get this. Trump also currently owned, at that time, over 18 million square feet of prime Manhattan real estate. So he could do that, didn't he? Because he, he was in charge. Now wait a minute. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. That was the wrong statement. Donald Trump owned 18 million square feet of prime Manhattan real estate. God owns Manhattan plus Trump. No matter what he likes to think. Psalm 50 verses 9 through 12 says, God said, I shall take no young bull out of your house, nor male goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountain, everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and all it contains. You see, there's only one landowner, isn't there, in this parable? And it's too bad that people don't recognize this. There's only one landowner and only one God. And it's too bad that we don't realize that. We often think, what's mine is mine and that's all there is to it. That's not all there is to it. What's mine is God's and that's all there is to it. And I'm responsible to him for managing it. You see, God has just loaned these things to me. It's called his ownership and my management. 
The Associated Press, Tuesday, January 9th, 2007, Malibu. Suzanne Summers' home was one of four destroyed by a wind-driven wildfire that swept through an exclusive seaside neighborhood of multi-million dollar homes. How sad. Suzanne Summers' house in Malibu was burned to the ground. No wrong. It was the landowner's house. It was God's house. Your house is not yours. And we have a landowner to whom we must give account. First Corinthians 4, 1 through 2 says, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. I had a friend who had a car, bought a brand new car. He came by and brought a body show it to me. And he said, Tom, I want you to come out and see what God just bought for and he's letting me use it. <laughs> it's like, that's the attitude. And some years later, when he, got, when he was in an accident, he said, Tom, you ought to see what somebody did to God's car. That's the attitude. Now I know I've been given money to I've given money to my kids and surely you have too. And, and when they were little and they had come home with junk in exchange for that money, and, and I thought or said, What you bought that with the money I gave you? My hard earned money, that's the best you could do. And then I wonder what God must think of what I do with his money. You see, fortunately, we have a landowner, God, who is far more understanding and gracious than I am, or you are, and he doesn't whip us every time we make a bad or silly purchase, does he? Now, I've made some, <laughs> brothers and sisters, I can tell you that. But God don't call her down. That's the best you can do with my money! It's important that this parable starts out that there's one landowner and it's his rules because that goes all the way through this. He's in charge. He hires and he pays and he fires if he wants to. Number two, the kingdom is the heaven is like this. Men working. Men working. That's what verse 2 tells us. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. You know, a new employee had been caught coming in late for work three times, and a fourth time the manager decided to read him the riot act. The manager said, look here, don't you know what time we start to work around here? The employee replied, no, sir, they're always working when I get here. I think that most of us realize that God wants us to be diligent and faithful in our work, whatever the job. Now here you go. Tell me how many you want to apply for this job. The following notice, and this is real, the following notice was posted in a Chicago store in 1858. Here's what it said. This store will open from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., the year round. On arrival each morning, the store must be swept, counters, shelves, and showcases dusted. Lamps must be trimmed, pens made, a pail of water, and a bucket of coal brought in before breakfast. 
After 14 hours of work, leisure hours should be spent in reading. Now, I want to volunteer for that job. Where was that job when my kids were just learning to work? <laughs> None of us would want that job in them hours, would we? I know people complain because they have to work past the eight-hour mark. Wow. Proverbs 14.23 says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. I only get that put on cards and hang it up everywhere because it seems like people today, they want a big paycheck. They don't want to work for it. I had somebody tell me just last week, Roofer, looking for people to work for them. He hired a young man to be a roofer. Next day when he hired them, they went to the job site and the boss said, okay, I need you to get up on the roof. The young man said, oh, I can't get up on the roof. What do you think you just got hired by a roofer for? <laughs> to drive the truck? Needless to say, he got fired. He didn't want to get on the roof to do roofing. Wow. John Wesley was born in 1703. He lived to March 2nd, 1791. He was 88 years old when he passed away, and it was said that he traveled 250 miles a day for 40 years, preached 40,000 sermons, produced 400 books, knew 10 languages. At age 83, he was annoyed that he could not write more than 15 hours a day without hurting his eyes, and at age 86... He was ashamed he could not preach more than twice a day. He complained in his diary that there was an increasing tendency to lie in bed until 5.30 in the morning. Wow, what a lazy guy he was. You see, we work on earth for an owner, a manager, and we work for our heavenly landowner who is God. And the real question which begs to be asked at this point is, what kind of worker are you? And what kind of worker am I? In Colossians 3, 17 and 22 through 24, it describes the earthly boss. It says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to the God the Father. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Excuse me, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the, of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Now that word there I use is slaves, but you know we can work do the same thing with workers. How do we treat our boss? Even if our boss is not at a workplace. Somebody's in authority, right? As children, how did we treat our parents? When dad said, Tom, go cut the grass. Oh, I was getting ready to go to baseball practice. Well, go to baseball practice, and I want the grass cut when you come home when it's really hot. And if you'd have cut it last night like I told you to, you wouldn't have to worry about it.
Does your boss deserve your best? Absolutely. Why? Because we should see what whatever work we do for our boss, as that scripture teaches, it's like doing it for God. Our heavenly landowner, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, is one of my favorite verses, says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, whatever you do, whatever you do, Jesus said if you give a cup of water to a little child, that's like doing something for him and he will bless you for that. I guarantee you, Sydney's going to get a blessing because she's reached out to Susan. Did she do the, Did she reach out to Susan because of getting a blessing? No! She reached out to Susan because the Lord is blessed by her service. And that's why she loves the Lord. That's why she did it. That's why JB does the things that he does. That's why so many of you, when you do it, I just want you to understand, don't get discouraged. You send somebody a card. God is pleased by that. Somebody who does the communion, God's pleased. Somebody who takes out the trash, God's pleased. Somebody who cuts the grass. God's pleased when you're doing it with the attitude to please God and His children. God's pleased. Because you're honoring the landowner. And He will bless you because of it. You see, God wants us to work in His vineyard, His field, His church. And what kind of things can we do to work and serve? I just told you some. Some teach, some preach, some sing, play, talk, witness, help, etc. Anything we can think of to serve the Lord. There was a little lady in a church who was small and frail. So she said she felt like she couldn't do much, but she had a large prayer list of people that she prayed for. You see, we're all neighbors in the kingdom. And that's one way to get involved. Take the prayer list and every day pray for people. You think that won't, God won't be pleased with that? He will honor that and bless you. In his book, Living Above the Level of Mediocrity, Charles Swindoll said these words, It's what you do, not when you do it. Listen to these statistics. Go to my ear was 71 years old when she became Prime Minister of Israel. And made a major difference in that country. George Bernard Shaw was 94 when one of his plays was first published. Benjamin Franklin was 81 when he helped frame the United States Constitution. And not long ago I heard of a lady who was 72 years old. Received her college uh, bachelor's degree. At 72 years old. And if I remember correctly it was LSU. But that might be wrong. But I thought it was at LSU. For Leslie's sake. <laughs> Think about it. Moses didn't get used by God until he was 80 years old. And God used him for 40 years. See, we're never too young or too old to serve the Lord. If you've got talent and a heart to use it, let's recognize that age has little to do with ability. Attitude is the real key. Here these guys were at 6 a.m. in the morning. And they must have been eager because they were out there at 6 a.m. And the landowner came and said, will you work with 
for me today? For a fair wage, a denarius. They said, absolutely, we'll go work for you. A denarius, are you kidding? Now, the third part of what the kingdom is like is to understand this fact. God pays. It's getting paid. Isn't that what he said there? I agree with you, labor for a denarius a day. And then when he saw the third hour people still there, he said, whatever's right, I will give you. And then the 12 hour people, he said the same. And then the noon people, the three people, three o'clock people, and the five o'clock people, he said, whatever's right, I will pay you at the end of the day. Now, what would you feel like come Friday or whatever day you, you would normally get paid and your boss says, I'm not paying you today. How would you feel, Ted? You see, that's not the case here. We get paid in heaven because of a gracious landowner. The kingdom of heaven is like, which says to me, we have a landowner and if we work, God's going to pay us. We're going to get blessings. Here was a man who owned a small farm in South Georgia. The wage and hour department claimed he was not paying proper wages to help and sent an agent to interview him. He said, you just give me a list of your employees and tell me how much you pay them. All right, said the farmer, I have a hired man. Been with me for three years. I pay him $600 a week plus room and board. I have a cook. She's been here six months. She gets $5 a week plus room and board. Anybody else? Asked the agent as he scribbled on a notepad. Yeah, the farmer says, there's a half-wit here. He works about 18 hours a day. I pay him $10 a week and give him chewing tobacco. Aha! The agent roared. I want to talk to that half-wit. The farmer says, you're talking to him now. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, no matter what we make in wages, most of us would prefer to make more. And the I've heard it said that no matter what we make, we would like to make one-third more. And some of the workers in this parable complained because they felt they should have been paid more or better because they had worked longer. You know, one of the worst things I think of in professional sports is when some new up-and-comer who gets that big contract and they blast it on the news and the media everywhere. Don't you know that Tom Brady's going to be making $18 million a year? He's be the highest paid quarterback in the history of the NFL until in a week when Peyton Manning signs his new contract and he's getting $19 million a year because Tom Brady got $18 million a year. And Joe Jones, who nobody's ever even heard of, but he's played for four years and never won a championship, barely he's had a winning season, but everybody knows he's worth more. So we're going to pay him $20 million a year. What's going on there? Everybody feels like they're more important and they got to make more money. But nobody blessed Joe Jones' salary who works down at the local Ace Hardware. <laughs> Says, oh, by the way, Joe Jones makes $15 an hour. And the little guy back on the back dock says, 15, well, I know I work harder than him, even though I work half a mile of time. I should make $16 an hour. Aren't you glad God's not like that? God pays us fair wage for what we do. 
There was a man who had been in the grocery business 50 years. He was about to turn 66 years old. He was a manager of a large price chopper grocery store in Lamexa, Kansas. He made more than twice the money than his preacher brother in one year. The preacher had gone to college and his brother, the grocer, did not. The preacher worked just as many hours as did the grocer and often more. Why should the grocer get paid more money than the preacher? This jealousy has long been a problem in our society. We tend to compare ourselves to one another and then think we're getting ripped off. For example, I know some politicians who are getting hundreds of thousands of dollars for their speeches. That's a whole lot more than I get for dishing out solid spiritual stuff that carries eternal weight. Why should they get paid more than I do? And brothers and sisters, I say that tongue-in-cheek. Don't think I'm talking about getting a raise. That's not what I'm saying here. Not at all. God bless you all for the pain that you've given me all these years. I appreciate it. And God has blessed me in ways that go way beyond what I deserve. But think about it in the whole context. It's easy to become jealous of others in this world if we want to, but it doesn't pay. It's a cancer that can kill the spirit and the soul. The Lord will pay the workers in his kingdom and the pay will be better than anything we ever imagined. Heaven will be far better than anything offered in this life. In 1 Corinthians 2.9 it says, But just as is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to seeing my place in heaven. How about you? I still think it would be far more than anything I can imagine. You see, our eternal payoff is going to be worth everything we ever have done in this life for the Lord. However, we must always remember that our eternal payoff is not because of our hard work, but because we have a gracious God. He doesn't owe us anything, but He gives to us in abundance because of who He is. So we may also be tempted to complain, saying, why should they get to go to heaven? They've done so little and been here such a short time. There was a man named o Old Pete in Iberia, Missouri. He was related to some people in the local church. And in his later years, he moved back into that area and started attending the church. It wasn't long before Pete confessed Christ as his Lord and Savior and was immersed into Christ. He told the preacher that he felt like he had wasted his life doing whatever he wanted rather than seeking to serve the Lord. Old Pete died about six months after that, but he went to heaven. And it's all because of the grace and graciousness of God who keeps his word. Brothers and sisters, let's never be jealous of others, latecomers or otherwise. The only reason any of us will enjoy heaven is because of God, who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, and does not treat us as our sins deserve. Don't be the person. Yeah, you're really the person who gets into the 11th hour. And I've seen that happen. I told you a story about a lady that I know was baptized in the evening service one in uh, Glen Burnie, Maryland. So it was probably about 7.30. She was baptized into Christ and died before midnight. Now that's getting in the 11th hour and 59th minute, brothers and sisters. And you might say, well, what's she do to deserve heaven? She accepted Jesus and was baptized into Christ. That's what she did. 
Praise God that she was that close but made it in. Dr. W.J. Dawson once visited with preacher Joseph Parker in his garden. And Dawson told Parker that he intended to go visit the Holy Land. And Parker waved his hand to the blue sky above and said, my Holy Land is there. And that's exactly how I feel about it. The kingdom of heaven is where I want to go. It's because of our great and gracious God and His Son Jesus Christ that all of us will go there, some early and some late, to make heaven your goal in life. There's no better place. I've been with brothers and sisters in Christ who've been serving the Lord for 60, 70 years. And I look at them and think, wow, they've, they've labored a long time for the Lord. And I've seen people serve the Lord for two and go to heaven. And I think sometimes, wow, does that really seem fair? It's like, Lord, why didn't they have a much longer time, you know? Work for the kingdom before they go. And I realize it's not up to me. It's up to God. So it's the ninth hour and they get in. So it's the eleventh hour and they get in. The point is, they're in. That's the rejoicing part. It's always broke my heart when, when the preacher comes down like I do this morning and I'm giving the invitation for somebody to come forward and somebody comes forward say they want to be baptized. And somebody might look at their watch and say, wow, it's already 10 after 12, preacher. we got to get down there to the restaurant. And the preacher says, we're going to go back here after I take their confession of faith. We're going to back here. They're going to change and I'm going to get my boots on and we're going to go down in the baptistry and we're going to baptize them. And then I say, the piano player, I might say, Ted, Ted, play us a song and you guys sing while we're getting ready. And there'll be people there. Are you kidding me? I wonder if I can sneak out the back. For this. And, I, and I've seen it. I've seen it where people, they're getting ready as soon as the piano player starts to play, the music guy comes up or uh, who's leading music, and you'll see a few people quickly sneak out the back. And I'm going to say this because I think it's appropriate. When it's time for Joey and Tabby to have that brand new baby boy, and they get the call, Dawn and, and Luke get the call, and they go to the hospital. And they're there, and maybe they'll get to be in the birthing room. And when it's time for the baby to be born, they're saying, are you kidding me? we got to get to the restaurant. We're sorry, but... And they scoot out the, the side door. Right? Not a chance! Their grandbaby, first grandbaby's about to be born! That's an event! Guess what? Somebody's about to be born again! That's a big event to God! Should excite us! Whether it's the 10th hour, the 9th hour, the 11th hour, the 11th hour and 59th minute in just a few seconds, they just gave their life to Jesus and they're getting ready to go to heaven. That's where we all want to go. <coughs> the way... The cross leads home. Page 374. Where's my thing here? Do uh, you know the plan of salvation is up there every week? You've heard me state it, and I've already stated it once in this sermon. But it starts by faith, and faith leads you to repent of your sins. 
faith leads you to confess the name of Jesus, like the, the, the Ethiopian eunuch did. Confess the name of Jesus. Faith leads you to be immersed into Christ. Your sins are washed away. God fills you with His Holy Spirit. And the congregation is excited because of the new birth. And they're going to help you. Just like you're going to help them as we walk that path to get to heaven. Whenever it happens. The way of the cross leads home. If you're able to stand, sing with me that first verse this morning. And let's get excited for Jesus because that's where we're going. The way the cross leads home. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light. If the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Sing verse 3. Then I bid farewell to the way of the world. Walking it nevermore. My Lord says, Come and I seek my home where he waits at the open door. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Almost holy God, I pray that we'll recognize we're on that road home. We don't know when that might be. We don't know, Lord, if you'll call us home through death or, or you'll call us home when Jesus comes. But I pray, Lord, that we'll recognize that who we work for, the landowner, and Lord, that you you are the blessing that we have each day. We work for you and you pay us. You give us so many blessings. And Lord, we know that heaven's a blessing we're waiting for. One of these days we'll get there when you call us. But until then, Lord, may we continue to work diligently. Diligently knowing that we work for you. And, and you are a, a faithful, trustworthy landowner. And very gracious to us. And I thank you, Lord, for your kind blessings. And as we go from here today, help us, Lord, to share with others who our landowner is and who we need to follow. Jesus, our Savior, and all he's done for us, Lord. And Lord, lead those people. Lead them who are pricked to the heart by the Word of God, that pricked by the Holy Spirit. Lead them to us that we might share with them the reasons why they need to be immersed into Christ. And Lord, may we have that pleasure of leading them through the plan of salvation to give their life to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Please keep us safe as we go from here and protect us. And Lord, may we rejoice in all things. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.